Season Stages is sponsored by DHS Press for all the news that Titans need to know. Make sure to check out a World Series preview by Jackson Clark as the Nats take on the Houston Astros. And make sure to check out our article on the E-Pass Hall system, which is now being implemented in the Science Department by Calvin Malore and Andre Powell. And lastly, check out my new article uh, about the football helmet regulations for uh, high school football players. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Stages. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Hello and welcome to another episode of Season Saviors. I'm Ian Whitfield. Joined here, of course, by Shane Riley. Shane, welcome back. It's it's great to be back, Ian. I'm very excited to talk about another another week of fantasy football. You know, we can go ahead and jump right into it, starting with the standouts. First guy, Chase Edmonds. Yeah, Chase Edmonds for me is a really really intriguing player. Um, he's right now he's David Johnson's hand uh, handcuff. I believe we're looking at an Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon kind of situation here. And even though people are like, oh, he had 35 fantasy points, and that was in uh, David Johnson's absence, like, I don't think there's a lot to, like, really, over, like, I don't think you really have to overlook this performance. In the two games where David Johnson was still here, he put up 17.6 and 14.7 in those game chain. So, for me, even though he's not a complete target hog like Austin Eckler, he's stealing a bunch of carries, and he's an explosive runner, and for me, Edmonds is a 100% you have to roster in all leagues, and I think is a viable flex play for now. And if he keeps this up, we're looking at a running running back too. Oh, I definitely agree. Absolute workhorse against the Giants. 27 carries, which is a, a, a super... That's insane, yeah. Averaging 4.7 yards per carry against the Giants. He showed that as long as the injury-prone David Johnson continues his health problems, like he's going to shine in the situation. Yeah, that was one of the things I kind of highlighted here too, is David Johnson is such an injury-prone running back. As elite as he is... I feel like every single week he's questionable, honestly. So Chase Edmonds has so much potential to be a workhorse week in and week out if Johns or if David Johnson's down. And if he's not, he's shown that he can still be productive. Yeah, he even adds the ability to catch out of the backfield, which is something that David Johnson does in this Cardinals offense. Yeah. And uh, Edmonds is going to capitalize on his opportunities, and he has shown that through what he's been given this year. Alongside Johnson, he still posts great yards per carry and catching out of the backfield ability. Yeah, the Cardinals have really fallen in love with this guy too, and they want to get him the ball. Uh, heading into our second standout here, though, Shane, you want to start us off with Corey Davis? Yeah, I would love to. Um, had his highest number of targets this season in one game with Ryan Tannehill than all of his games with Marcus Mariota. Um, you know, he averaged about two to three catches per game with Marcus Mariota, and he had six in one game with Ryan Tannehill. Um, for 80 yard, he had six catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. Um, it's very beneficial so far with Tannehill. You know, it's only been a small sample size, but going forward, if this continues, um, he instantly jumps into that wide receiver to, yeah. you know, I got any number one on a team, like even, you know, we've talked about Terry McLaurin, a number one receiver on a team is very valuable in fantasy. Similar, maybe he's he's going to be that similar connection like he had with Jarvis Landry in Miami. Yeah, Tannehill is not like a great quarterback, but he's at least a better passer than Mariota is. And Davis has really stood out. I mean, Tennessee's offense on Sunday averaged 1.82 more yards per play with Tannehill at the helm than Mariota, which is, it might not seem like that much when you really think about it, but 
or when you really like initially hear it, but when you really start to think about it, that's a lot of extra yards on plays. So the t- Tennessee offense is overall so much more productive with Tannehill there. And Davis is the wide receiver one in the offense, as you mentioned. So it's good to have a wide receiver one on your team, even if it isn't the greatest team like the Titans or the Skins or even in Miami with like uh, Devontae Parker, who's still down there. So he's also uh, putting up some good numbers down there. But for me, Corey Davis is a great add in all leagues. I think we could easily, if Tannehill stays at the helm and keeps putting up the production that he did in uh, last week, we're looking at a top 25 fantasy season here for Corey Davis. And he's only rostered in about 50% of ESPN leagues. So for me, Corey Davis is a really viable option for the future. Yeah, especially when he, he had most of he had a lot of catches on his seven targets. He had oh, yeah. six of them. That's a great percentage. Yeah, he's a good wide receiver too. Yeah, and then someone who also, you know, moving into our next guy, we're going to go to a, a guy who had kind of struggled throughout the year but really stood out this week, um, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, for me, obviously, like, what we try to do isn't really to put, like, really big-name players in the standout category because, like, you're going to start them anyways and stuff like this. And you'd be like, okay, why are you talking about Aaron Rodgers then? But Aaron Rodgers was outside the top 10 fantasy quarterbacks for weeks heading into this week. And he was 12 heading into this week, and now he's a top or he's a um, top nine. You know, he's top seven. Sorry, top seven fantasy quarterback. And he went 429 yards, five passing touchdowns, zero turnovers, and had a rushing touchdown also, and put up 43.8 fantasy points. Rogers, I believe you can trust 100% now, and I think you can put him as a to finish the season as a top five, if not top three fantasy quarterback. And it comes down to the fact that they have a relatively easy schedule of ignoring the fact they still have to play the Bears uh, one time, who actually haven't been like that potent this year as a defensive team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also still have to play the 49ers as well. So that's a little shaky there. But ignoring outside of that, they have a, he's a, one of the most friendly quarterback schedules left in uh, out of all the other quarterbacks in the league. So for me, you can start Rodgers with confidence, knowing that, hey, you might, you're going to get a top-five fantasy performance this week from him, and you're not putting him in your lineup like, okay, ESPN says he's projected 21 points, but he's putting up 15 a game. Like, what Like, what do you want me to do? I mean, but now after that 43.8-point performance, I think you can confidently start him thinking, hey, we're going to get a plus-20 performance from Aaron Rodgers this week. Yeah, I mean, he's arguably, arguably been one of the top three quarterbacks in fantasy for the last five, you know, plus years. Yeah, hands down. And... You know, not the strongest defense that he went up against in week in week seven, but um, he did complete eighty over eighty percent of his passes, which is a great thing to see. Like you don't, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I don't think we have to question him too much. I think that he's kind of got off to a cold start, and I think this shows that he's has the ability. He's still what he is. Yeah, he he has the ability to pick it right back up, and he's. A, I think he's a guy that once he gets going, it's really hard to stop him. Oh yeah, um, it I think just absolutely heats up. And he's surrounded by a lot of weapons with, like, Adams, Vald Scantling. Like, there's all sorts of receivers. Jimmy Graham. Yeah, I mean, even Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams can help catch out of the backfield. One of the things, though, that is most impressive about this performance is how banged up that core is that you're talking about and what he was able to do with it. Because there was no Adams. Uh, I know Aaron Jones was – actually, no, there's Jamal Williams was hurt. Mm -hmm. And just – he had so many other wide receiving options that were on the verge of playing, not playing, and that were dealing with injuries. So he was able to make do with makeshift wide receivers and still be the best quarterback in the league that day. So for me, Rodgers, for me, is safe. Oh, he's he's definitely back to being what a top five. Yeah, where he he's should be. definitely a safe play every week. 
Um, yeah, moving into our busts, Ian, we'll go ahead and start off with our first guy, Damian Williams. Yeah, Damian Williams is one of the most frustrating players I've had to deal with as I have him in one of my friend leagues, and I actually drafted him in another league but traded him away earlier in the season, so thank God for that. But Damian Williams is... I, I, I'm so frustrated here. <laughs> Hasn't broken 10 rushing yards in back-to-back weeks, and he's totaled three catches for seven yards in the past two weeks. He hasn't broken three carries in the past three weeks. That, That is, like, the lowest end of running back. That's, like, a depth chart running back three on, like, a normal team. And he's the number one, or was the number one running back in Kansas City. McCoy right now is getting next to all the volume with uh, 20 carries for 108 yards in the past two weeks. And he's getting, uh, he had three receptions last week. So, Damian Williams, for now... You can't trust at all. You can't possibly put him in your lineup. It's almost like a Joe Mixon kind of situation where you he's going to be projected a large amount of points being a lead running back or was a lead running back, but he's he's not getting any production, and he's just a big name at this point. So maybe try to trade him away for something at this point. But <laughs> Damian Williams is terrible right now, and you can't trust him. Yeah, he had, he had, more, yard, he had more carries than yards in Week 7. Uh, for someone who I think everyone had high hopes for in Kansas City, you know, yeah. Kareem Hunt's gone. I think it, everyone was thinking this is his team. Let's let's see him go off. I mean, yes, Patrick Mahomes did get injured, and maybe that does have a factor in some things. But even the weeks before then, he had showed no production. Yeah. Um, and it was very concerning. He was only on the field for 28% of snaps in week seven. That's a quarter of the snaps. That is horrible. That is Especially very, for a running back. That is you very scary yeah. for a guy that you, you think – who you thought was going to come in each week and be a very solid running back, possibly at RB1 is at some point in the season. Is that he had a lot of high hopes. And, I mean, I feel like you like you said, it's time to try to just get something for him. If you can, realistically, I'm being honest here, if you can trade Damian Williams and get a wide receiver who can put up borderline double digits, maybe like slightly under that, that is way more productive than having Damian Williams on your team. And... The 28% snap count in Week 7 is just terrifying. The fact that LaShawn McCoy is just week in and week out starting to take over this Kansas City offense, you, how can you trust Damian Williams? And you just can't. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Heading to our next bus now, Shane. Carlos Hyde. Yeah, he had a terrible week seven. He averaged under three yards per carry in uh, 12 carries for 35 yards. And his snap percentage was down to t- was down 20% than it was the rest of the season as as he averaged out. I think he was under 50%. He was down to 40% from what he had been 60% uh, through the first six weeks. And he's only gone over 100 yards once this season and has three touchdowns through the first seven weeks. Not to mention that he only has six catches out of the backfield. In a PPR league, a running back that has no uh, ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, that really doesn't give him much of an upside. Um, he has, you know, less catches, in, and, all, and four of those catches came from one week. Yeah, Carlo. Yeah, I mean Duke Johnson is obviously taking. He's a much more agile and complete package running back than Carlos Hyde is. 
because Carlos Hyde is like literally they just give him the ball and have him run like right up the seam. Duke Johnson is the receiving back. He's getting all the targets there. But for me, I'm not completely freaked out about Carlos Hyde. And it just comes down to the fact that Carlos Hyde's snap count and uh, total carries and stuff were just going up every single week up until this point. And I think he just had, frankly, I, and it happens to everyone, I think he just had a bad day, honestly. And I think his 2.91 yards per carry on 12 carries, which is just terrible, I think they just kind of said, all right, it's not his day. The running game isn't here. Uh, let's give the ball to Duke Johnson a little bit. Let's get him going because Carlos Hyde's just not feeling it today, and I just think they just kind of stopped riding him, honestly. I think it's going to be really interesting next week uh, to see with Carlos Hyde what ends up happening because he is a player I'm really intrigued by and, for me, was a really solid flex option, and I had him as a flex in two leagues. So I really want him to come back and be productive, and I think – in the Houston offense that has a lot of points and touches to go around, I think he's still a viable option, and I think we're going to see that snap total or the touches of 12 go back up to where it was with 21 and 26 in the past two weeks, frankly. Yeah, it might have just been an off week for him, and that's why his snap percentage was down, and they were riding Duke Johnson, and and the passing game has been really working for Deshaun Watson and Mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, so... I mean, um, Deshaun Watson's an MVP conversations right now. Yeah, it could just be a oh, uh, from week to week thing. Yeah, I just wouldn't freak out about Carlos Hyde. That's all. Getting into our uh, last um, bust, Ian Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay is a player who I have a lot of concern about, and it comes down to Royce Freeman getting so much volume. They drafted Royce Freeman so high up that they just they are even though he didn't have a good year last year and Philip Lindsay stole the show obviously making the pro bowl as a rookie and everything they're really trying to get him the ball and they're really trying to get him involved Royce Freeman went 10 for 35 and one touchdown with four catches for 32 yards and Freeman people really didn't think he was going to be that involved in the passing game but he really has been involved so far in the passing game it's not heavy but he's stealing about 50 percent of looks from Philip Lindsay I mean they both had um he, Philip Lindsay's getting about four per week. He actually hasn't broken four uh, catches in a week. He's about three, four range. And Duke, or sorry, not Duke Johnson, Royce Freeman is in like a two to four range in catches per week. So he's stealing about half, 50% of his targets. With that said, I think Philip Lindsay's obviously still the lead back. He's a top four, top 15 fantasy running back right now, but I think that's a little generous. He's He went 11 for 36, zero touchdowns, 4.2 points, along with one catch for negative four. And Freeman gets all goal line touches also. So Philip Lindsay is a player I'm not super confident in, even if with him averaging about 13 points per game. That's a, that's like a little mu- it's like a muffled stat honestly because he has a few big games where he goes 25, 30, but then he also has he's had half his games where he goes seven to also right here where he goes 4.2. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very concerning when someone's that inconsistent, very boomer bust. Um, and he's another guy I, I know I keep mentioning this, but his snap count has also gone down as I've noticed that. Mm-hmm. Um, these these busts are losing opportunities as the year has gone on, and that's very concerning. As um, you want your your fantasy players that you're starting to be on the field as much as possible. I mean, that's that's an obvious, that's a no brainer. Um, and adding only one catch, four negative yards. So I mean, you don't even get the full point um, in a PPR league. Um, that does not look good for him. Especially he only had one more carry than Royce Freeman um, this week, and. You know, it, it looked like it was going to be Phillips Lindsay's team as last year. He really showed really out. He really did, yeah. And 
I mean, the only thing he has going for him right now that I would say is that they might have to lean heavier on the running backs going forward as they just traded away Emmanuel Sanders. It's true. So the passing game might not be what they what it you know it hasn't even been that great, but it's going to be even worse now. So maybe they have to rely out of the running backs a little more, and they're going to get more touches combined. Yeah, I mean, with Freeman's new volume uptick, it's just so concerning. I think I think you brought up a really good point with the saving grace of Emmanuel Sanders being traded away. But Philip Lindsay for me right now is no more than a low end running back two, and until he out starts really outshining Royce Freeman, I don't think you can be confident that he's going to put up 13 points a game. Like, I don't think you can put him in your lineup as a lock saying, "Hey, this guy." What like last year you could for sure, but right now I don't think you can put him in with the expectation he's going north of double digit points every single week. Oh, he's he's on one of my fantasy teams, and it's very scary when yeah. you when you have to start him in a game, and it just it's. Because you don't know what you're going to get. Exactly. Uh, heading into our starts now, Shane, you want to start us off? Yeah, uh, I'm actually going to start off with a quarterback. Um, Jared Goff, a guy who has a lot of weapons. Obviously, the Rams and Sean McVay are, have a very good offense. But he's been um, very inconsistent so far this year. And, you know, there's been a lot of questions in this Rams offense. You know, Todd Gurley with, always has, like, the knee injuries um, or, or whatever. You know, he says he's not hurt, but he's not playing as well. But, you know, Cooper Cup. Um, a lot of weapons on that offense. If Brandon Cooks could stay healthy, but they are playing the Cincinnati Bengals, the the winless Cincinnati Bengals this week, and I think um, that's really going to bode well for him as that defense has looked very, very bad. And you know he hasn't he hasn't he he did enough to score twenty five fantasy points last week against the Falcons, and I think that really looks good for him, uh, especially since the Falcons are I think a better defense than the Cincinnati Bengals. Just slightly, though. <laughs> Just slightly. The Falcons are having such a bad year for some reason. But anyways, heading to my start, Stefan Diggs, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. Adam Thielen's playing status up in the air still after he had that great catch where he uh, ended up, I believe it was an, a shoulder injury, I think. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But he left the game with an injury and was unable to finish, which boosted Mason Rudolph's not Mason Rudolph, Kyle Rudolph's uh, fantasy volume, and Stefan Diggs's. And now Diggs, I believe, a guy who I was not confident in at all, is a viable fantasy starter, week in and week out, I believe. And it comes down to the fact that the Vikings offense is starting to balance out. Kirk Cousins is starting to find his stride. And this week, they play a Washington Redskins team who have allowed the six most receiving touchdowns this season to um, opposing wideouts. So Stefan Diggs, in a game where they could easily go up on the Redskins early, Stephon Diggs will get most of the target share, especially if Thielen doesn't play. Lock-in wide receiver one, potential to be a top-five play this week, 100%. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, my second start is uh, Aaron Jones. Uh, they're going up against the Kansas City Chiefs, who, yes, they did look well against both Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay, but this is not – the Packers' offense It shouldn't even be compared to the Broncos' offense. The Broncos' offense has not been anything near to what they are. And coming off of a big week against the Raiders – I think that Aaron Jones, uh, you know, Jamal Williams has been taking over. He did look good, like he had taken the role from Aaron Jones in um, in uh, one of the weeks. But last week against the Raiders, uh, Aaron Jones saw 16 touches and more than half of the snaps. Yeah, Aaron Jones is being amazing right now. And especially since they're going up against a Chiefs team who has allowed 4.9 yards per carry and more than 26 fantasy points a game to running backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my second start is actually a – a player who's had a lot of struggles this year and a player who I personally hated coming into the year just because with Antonio Brown gone, it's, I really didn't know how productive he was going to be. But Juju Smith-Schuster, 
He's wide receiver 41 right now. He's averaging only 11 fantasy points per game. And I think his this is where the week where he can either turn it around and flip his season around, or even if he doesn't, it's just this will be his top week of the year, in my opinion. Juju is a great matchup because finally has Mason Rudolph coming back, who is a competent enough quarterback. Great play with lots of people starting on the bench. With lots of people with buys, you can definitely play him if you have him on your bench. Last time we saw Smith-Schuster take the football field, he put up 1.7 points, but they play the Miami Dolphins this week. <laughs> so, And they've allowed 17.9, one fantasy points to opposing teams, number one wide receivers. So that's that number right there. How can you not start him? I think anyone who's having a down season can really turn it around against the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> the yeah. Miami so, Dolphins. So I definitely agree with you. I don't I really I don't feel like I really need to give any other statistics. The Dolphins are just terrible against number one wideouts. 17.9 points as I already mentioned. Juju's a lock in another top five wide receiver play this week in my opinion. Oh he's a very safe play. You should feel really confident starting Juju, especially oh, yeah. since you know his past I think it's just been a down year and obviously anyone can turn it around against the Dolphins. Yeah. Hello. This is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. My final start is Latavius Murray. Um, Really went off with a 32-point performance against the Bears, which is... A, a bit confusing because you did, would not expect that out of a running back against a Chicago defense that is absolutely stacked in the front seven. Um, you know, if the Saints rest Alvin Kamara for another week, then that means Latavius Murray is, it's all his. As he showed that he can really be a workhorse, you know, as I mentioned, he put up the 32 points. Um, and he's going up against the Arizona Cardinals, whose defense has struggled this year. Um, yes, they are have won like three games in a row, but that team is nowhere. They really have played absolutely no one these last three weeks so I just I see the Saints if Alvin Kamara doesn't go Latavius Murray is a guy that you have to have in your starting lineup yeah he's a running back one hands down if uh, Kamara does not play Uh, my last start actually my third wide receiver uh, John Brown wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills they go up against the Eagles defense this week the Eagles secondary is just a joke they are terrible and Against opposing wideouts, they or Josh Allen is it's, he's Josh Allen's favorite target, and he's going up against the, a team who's given up the most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers so far this year. That even worse than the Miami Dolphins. So, for me, John Brown, number one wide receiver for the Bills, give him a start. I mean, he's gone, he's put up at least ten points in four of his six games so far this year, nine point four and seven point five in the other ones. So not even like terrible performances or anything, but. For me, he's a top 20 wide receiver right now, and or he is a top 25 wide receiver right now, and hands down can be a top 10 wide receiver this uh, this week. Yeah, my, my first set of the week is uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, I don't think there should be much question. Um, he's been very bad all year. They are coming off of a bye week, but out of the bye, they get none other than uh, the New England Patriots. So the number one defense in the league who just made Sam Darnold, who I would not say is a top 15 quarterback, no. maybe not even in the top 20, but he just had negative fantasy points against them. ESPN even threw out the video that he said he literally was seeing ghosts. This defense has really gelled well together and has only gotten better as the season went on um, as they posted another shutout, a, a 
they beat a team by 30 points in a shutout um, at the Jets. It's going to be a struggle for Baker Mayfield, who's already struggled with his accuracy and defensive reading ability going against the best going up against the best defense this week. Yeah, starting us off with my first sit, uh, Alshon Jeffrey. He's only had one game over 55 receiving yards, yards this year. He's been saved by touchdowns. The Philadelphia Eagles simply can't put the, push the ball downfield, Shane. Carson Wentz has thrown for less than 200 yards in three of the team's last four games. In return, Jeffrey has exceeded 52 receiving guard, yards just once this season, as I already mentioned. Buffalo surrenders. They play the Bills this week. Buffalo surrenders the fifth fewest fantasy points to wideouts in the and while only two receivers have found the end zone against them all year. So Alshon Jeffrey, probably not going to get the touchdown um, that'll save his uh, save the game, and he isn't getting receiving yards or volume. So I, I don't know how you can trust Alshon Jeffrey in your lineup this week. There's definitely better plays. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think I think that that Eagles offense has been struggling a little bit, as well as their defense, so I don't know how, how trustworthy you think of them as. So my second sit is going to be Greg Olson versus the 49ers. Yeah, I understand that um, he hasn't had the greatest season. I don't know how many people are going to start him, but he is going up against a defense that has been tremendous. They they just pitched a shutout against the Redskins in that almost like what seems like a hurricane situation. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was fun to watch last so. week. But I mean, it's going to be a tough matchup. As you know, if Kyle Allen, I think is still going to be the starting quarterback as Cam Newton. I, I guess he's injured, or I don't whatever re- <laughs> whatever they want to say to make uh, him feel better. But Kyle Allen has been the better quarterback so far this season. Um, but he's their connection has really fallen off even after that great performance in, in against Tampa Bay in London. But the Panthers are coming out of a bye, but I just don't see how Greg Olson's going to perform well when even his fantasy numbers against defenses that aren't even as near as good as the 49ers. So I just don't see him being able to produce too much this week against the 49ers defense that is tremendous, the, the second best in the league. Yeah, they're definitely top two and is just abs- are absolutely elite. Um. Heading into my second sit, Derrick Henry. I know it's a hard one to bench, especially in deeper leagues, but you may want to consider it. Just the fact that he is getting volume, but they played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week, which might not seem that scary, but the Buccaneers have been really, really good against running backs. They've allowed only 68 yards per game, and which is the fewest in the NFL, and only one running back has had totaled more than six or has totaled Six, uh, over 40 yards against them, and that's Alvin Kamara with 62. So the fact not a single running back individually has broken 40 yards in a game against them, that's that's insane, Shane. Like, that's terrifying if you're trying to start Derrick Henry. And even though he does get touchdown, he is touchdown uh, heavy, like he does get a lot of touchdowns, I don't, I don't know how confident you can really be as the Tennessee with Tannehill and stuff like that. They're probably going to look to throw against a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team who's uh, secondary is just terrible. Yeah, um, I Derrick Henry is not the safest play, especially since Ryan Tannehill looked really good last week. I think that maybe that they test it more through the air, um, as he looked more reliable than Marcus Mariota ever has. Has so getting into my final sit is going to be Robbie Anderson versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, he had a horrible week. I think everyone on the Jets offense had a horrible week last week as they got you know tested by playing the Patriots. Um, which is just phenomenal to see how great that defense really is. But it's really hard to trust Sam Darnold when, yes, it is It is a road matchup. They're at Jacksonville. So it, it's just hard to trust him in any of these games, um, especially since how bad he looked against the Patriots' defense. 
to a de- and now they're going against the Jacksonville defense, who has allowed just four touchdowns to receivers lined out wide, um, which Robbie Anderson has not really gotten the volume uh, that you would love to see from. Obviously, he had the one great week, but he had I think he had like a 90-yard catch in the, in, in the week for a touchdown um, two weeks ago. So if you're going to consider starting a Jets wide receiver and you know take the risk with Sam Darnold, I think it has to be Jameson Crowder who's going to be lined out or lined up more at the um, the slot. Yeah, Jameson Crowder is a guy that I'm really actually fond of, uh, as I have him in a couple leagues. But heading to my last sit, Jacoby Brissett, quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. He's actually shown out really, really well, helping the Colts to be top of their division at four and two. He's a top 15 fantasy quarterback right now, and he's averaging 19.1 fantasy points per game. If I tell you that, if you, if I told you that at the beginning of the season, you would have laughed at me. But he doesn't have a very good matchup this week. Um, he plays the Broncos, who have allowed the third fewest fantasy points to quarterbacks all season, and only two quarterbacks. This this stat gets me. Have only allowed to two quarterbacks eight point over 8.5. Eight fantasy points not a single quarterback against them has shown like really shown out and the ones that have have barely even broken that threshold so it's for me you can't start um Jacoby Brissett in any confidence as you I'm hoping if you have Jacoby Brissett as your starting quarterback you should have um uh, a different quarterback on your team that is comp is a competent starter as he's not a elite quarter uh quarterback one that you can leave alone on your roster but Jacoby Brissett, you cannot play this week against the Broncos. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487. Yeah, I definitely think that He's kind of like a, a guy who's, whose matchup uh, really determines on whether you should start him or not. And I think if, if you got him off the waiver wire, because not a lot of people drafted him, that you should have someone else um, that you could potentially start. Uh, do you want to move into waiver wires, Ian? Uh, how about you start us off with that one, Shane? All right, my first is Derek Carr. Um, he's only rostered in seventy-two, or sorry, 17.2% of ESPN leagues. And he's, you know, having a very – he's quietly having a very solid season as, you know – once all the Antonio Brown hype moved out of Oakland, um, he has one thousand. He has fourteen hundred yards um, on the year with eight touchdowns. His biggest problem right now is turnovers, as he's been struggling with that. Um, he has a you know he's a great value option against the Texans in Week Eight. As if you if you if you're stuck against um, you have like a, a Jacoby Brissett or someone like that. Maybe he's someone that you could consider picking up and starting. Um, and if Tyrell Williams is able to return, I think his value increases a lot as Ty- he's a very great red zone threat and that option for Derek Carr to get more touchdowns. Yeah, I'm going to start us off with Kirk Cousins, actually, who if you told me two weeks ago I was going to say Kirk Cousins is a waiver wire pickup, I would have laughed at you. But Kirk Cousins has gone over 300 yards in his past three games. He's totaled 10 touchdowns in that time and only has one interception. He's gone 21, 27, and 29 in fantasy points. So he's no, right now the number 11 ranked quarterback, and he's only owned in 50% of ESPN leagues. Kirk Cousins, it, he go, and he plays Washington and Kansas City in his next two. So for me, that's, that is so promising. He can easily go above 20 again. And with 
they've, they're actually evening out their passing game with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Kirk Cousins is 100% a guy that you can throw into your roster as a fill maybe for Jacoby Brissett, mm-hmm. as I mentioned yeah. earlier, yeah. or another kind of situation like that. Yeah, getting into my second wave of wire pickup, I actually have Alec Erickson. Alex Erickson. You may ask uh, who that is, and you know, before last week, I did not know who that was. Um, <laughs> he's owned in 0.4% of ESPN League, so obviously, unless you're in a, a league with like 20 people, I think that this guy is going to be sitting there waiting for you to go get him. Um, and with the Bengals, yes, he, he is on the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, with the Bengals struggling offensively this year, you know, up and down, uh, he, he has been a long long-time punt returner, but he had a career day with eight receptions for 137 yards. Um, in an offense that, you know, it seemed like John Ross was going to be the guy while, while A.J. Green has been hurt. You know, obviously he's he's not there either. Um, John Ross has been injured as well. You know, they've both been banged up. He may p- potentially get a chance if he continues his eight reception, 137, 137 yards. You know, if he puts that in week in and week out, that's 20 points a week. I'll take that any day. So, I mean, pick him up. He could potentially become a flex option if they end up moving towards him in the future, and especially since he can return punts, you know, with the opportunity for punt return touchdown. You never know. Yeah, that's also that's a really good point. Um, Secondly, I'm going to go Ty Johnson running back Detroit Lions. The next two guys I'm going to name are pretty obvious pickups. Number one running back goes down. This is a guy who's going to end up being a workhorse. Ty Johnson in the absence, showed out pretty well, actually, for uh, on Johnson, who in his uh, minimal time on the field had 10, 10 attempts for 29 yards and four catches for uh, 28. So a guy who put up a, nearly 10 fantasy points in minimum time. Ty Johnson, for me, is the number one available player that you can get right now off the waiver wire. And he is he might end up sharing touches with uh, other te- uh, Lions running backs as they try to even it out and try to figure out what's going to go on as they're trying to fill Carrion's place. And there's also a chance they trade for like a Kenyon Drake or something like that over the next weeks with the trade deadline coming up and the Lions in playoff position. But for now, Ty Johnson is a elite pickup off the waiver wire, a guy you can throw in your lineup. I'd throw in the flex right now until we actually see what he can do as a full-time running back one. But he has the potential to put up 15 points a game, honestly. Yeah, I think anyone who's the number one option on a on a team is definitely worth you know, 100%. Just, just even just even a spot on your team. Of course. I'm um, getting into my final waiver wire pickup. I have Zach Pascal, another guy that you might not have heard of. He's only owned in 0.2 percent of ESPN leagues. Um, he is on the Indianapolis Colts. He is slowly he he has become now into the wide receiver two role um, of the Colts as he he um, he because Jacoby Brissett loves to spread the ball around. Obviously, you have Eric Ebron. Ebron um, there too, who, who gets some touch, who likes to take some touchdowns. But Pascal had a career day with six catches for 102 yards and two touchdowns. Um, you know, as the year continues, maybe him and uh, Brissett really, really find a connection. Um, he's definitely worth the opportunity, as you know, anyone who can put up north of 20 points or closer to 30 um, definitely is worth that option on your team, especially in a league where. You know, like guys who took like AJ Green and Keenan Allen's been struggling. Um, a lot of questions around the season. Maybe you pick this guy up and he ends up being a great flex start, or you know, like if you have a three wide receiver league. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, I'm gonna go with Chase Edmonds, running back for the Cardinals. Super obvious. Um, David Johnson still having back problems, injury prone. We've talked about him a lot earlier in the show, so I'm not gonna go too in depth. But he's only owned in about 52% of ESPN leagues. So it is slightly over half. And I know there's a basic rule of thumb that if a guy is owned in over half the leagues, you can't be a waiver wire pickup. But 52, like, give me a little lead weight right here. I mean, the guy's a tank. And 
he has to be rostered in 100% of leagues. He's right now the number 20 ranked running back. That's that's insane. The fact that he's there and he's only really played in like a few games so far this year. And with sharing volume with David Johnson and a Cardinals team that has a lot of touches to go around, show me some Chase Edmonds. Yeah, that's, uh, that's all we have for this week, actually. Um, thank you for listening to this episode of Season Saviors. Make sure to check out DHS Press for all the news that Titans need to know. Thank you. Hello, this is Shane Riley, a co-host of Season Saviors. This podcast is sponsored by Sterling Dental Center. And no matter how bad of a fantasy GM you are, they can always put a smile back on your face. They look to serve patients with the highest quality dental care possible. Give them a call today at 703-870-2487.